Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, we've spent a lot of time discussing things that might go wrong for the Lakers this year. Reasons to be a little pessimistic about the Lakers. But what are some of the things that could go right that would let this team surprise in the Western Conference? That's next on Locked On Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts, never behind a paywall, always free. Make another Locked On podcast your second listen of the day. Uh, maybe Locked On NBA. I'm on that one on Monday. So if you want to hear more of this. You mean uh, today? Yeah, Monday today. Monday's episode of Locked On NBA. We're all talking about the same thing here. Um want to remind people as well that we will be at the Dewar Store 170 South La Brea in Los Angeles Saturday, August 27th, taping a uh, mailbag episode of Locked on Lakers. You can be a part of that thing. You can come win some prizes. Um, we'll be doing some giveaways and all that stuff. Um, and all you have to do to be eligible uh, to win a prize from Dewar, even if you're not going to be able to make it to the show uh, at 11 a.m. on August 27th, is send us a question for that mailbag episode. And if it's good enough to be used on the air, it is good enough to be uh, something you can win a prize for. And we will be pulling out a name for one more uh, doer prize pack leading up to the show this weekend. Uh, you could be like Martin Hall, Andy, who the winner of last week's doer prize pack. Um, everybody should be like Martin. Well, they shouldn't be entirely like Martin because we're having trouble tracking down Martin. Martin, if you are <laughs> listening right now, Reach out. He said he emailed us, but he didn't. Right. Either over Twitter uh, at Cam Brothers, uh, Kamenetsky Brothers at gmail.com. Leave some comments on the YouTube section, whatever. But you've got a prize, buddy, but we can't track it down. Right. If you know Martin, nudge him for us. Like, do something uh, if you can. Uh, so, we, I mentioned before uh, in, in the open that we've got, you know, some things that we feel really good about or could feel good about with the Lakers, at the very least, that would help them. Surprise. But before we do that, Andy, um, LeBron James played in uh, Jamal Crawford's amateur, uh, you know, pro-am uh, over the weekend. And so the I crossover, we did, as it's yes, called, I thought we could do a kind of a play by play breakdown of of LeBron, how he looked, try to figure out what that means for the Lakers this season. Uh, really, really do a deep dive into that. What do you think it? Well, I mean, it's actually pretty practical. They only played a quarter and a half before they had to <laughs> stop the game because it was too slippery. There were, there were so many people packed into that building, and it was apparently an unusually humid day in Seattle. Uh, all that stuff combined to it make it raining slick. So, I mean, really, it's it's only a quarter and a half of analysis. I, I, there's a 0% chance that even that at a quarter and a half is something we would do on this show. You threw it on a good dunk, though. That was nice. I, we're not at the, we're not quite at the stage where we should be like surprised that LeBron can dunk right like no, when he does something cool. No, but it's always it, it's always nice to see him do it with force. We haven't seen him do it for a while because the season's been you know was very short and he was hurt during a lot of it. Man, like again, this is the optimism theme. That's true. People are worried that LeBron is entering season twenty 
age 38 coming up. He's got like a billion miles, you know, on, on the tread. Like, yeah, you don't take for granted, Brian, that LeBron can just dunk whenever the hell he wants. That's this is, this is how Lakers fans true. become spoiled. Because hosts like you <laughs> encourage them to take LeBron for granted. I am poo-pooing some of saying. the more routine actions that he's taking in a celebrity pro-am. Or a, this know, is why so pro-am. many fan bases around the world hate the Lakers. It's because they. I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> Parents who discount performances in pro-ams <laughs> have children who discount performances in pro-ams. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. But, you know basically it is a good thing to just mention Jamal Crawford is awesome. Um, and all of us should find something that we love as much as Jamal Crawford loves basketball. Uh, that is your yearly reminder. So we saw on ESPN, we did not get a chance to talk about this. It was something, uh, that, you know, they do this every year, (laughs) different sets of predictions on ESPN.com, usually around this time of year when there tends to be less to talk about, um, where the Lakers, uh, they, they take you know polling questions across the league. The Lakers finished very near the top of uh, potentially both team turmoil, potential team turmoil this year, and potential team bounce back. I think the reasons for turmoil are fairly self-evident, and we've we've talked a lot about them. Yeah, they they ranked second among the polling, only behind the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Just what's remember, going on over there? <laughs> there's always a team more dysfunctional than your own. Just remember that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's important to remember. So I, we don't need to dive into the the turmoil part, but I thought it would be fun, and I know you agreed. What if we really leaned hard into the turnaround? Yeah. The, the team turnaround aspect of this. Yeah, they um, were tied uh, among voters for seventh. So basically they made the play-in for team <laughs> turnaround. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's it's important to remember, and I know this is a point you made, I think it was on Friday's show, that, or certainly at some point last week, that a turnaround, and, I, and, and before we even get to, I, I think it's important that we'll we'll talk about what we each think a turnaround means. But in terms of being able to make a turnaround of whatever definition, it could be a low bar to clear because just about everything last year that could go wrong went wrong. Okay, Brian, this actually tees me up for one of the reasons that I do think team turnaround is possible. Um, I'm just going to give you a list of everything that made last season, not just a bad season. It wasn't just a bad season because the team played badly. It was bad because more or less everything that could have gone wrong did. LeBron missed 26 games. Anthony Davis missed 42 games. THT missed 22 games, including the beginning where he, as a young player with a brand new roster, really could have benefited from having been there. Kendrick Nunn did not play a single minute. Trevor Ariza missed most of the season. Whatever was left in the tank for him, that ankle injury crushed it. Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, probably as bad of a true center rotation as any team in the league. Frank Vogel spent the entire... Possibly, possibly ever. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, maybe we should open this up to overseas leagues as well. But Dwight and DJ was 
more or less an unplayable tandem. Yeah. Frank Vogel spent. I, I've played the, in pickup games at LA Fitness with better center rotations than that. Frank one. Vogel spent the entire season with everybody, including him, knowing he was going to get fired at some point leading up to the offseason. There have been multiple reports that a January win over the Jazz on the heels of a 34 point loss to Denver saved his job temporarily. But like that, you can't coach under those circumstances, particularly when it's plainly obvious that your team has tuned you out. Maybe because they recognized you're on a fake extension. Right. And so we'll get, this is, this be, is all my list. So we'll, we're get to this. And so you're not going to be too. there yeah. much longer. And then acknowledging even some handicaps that Frank Vogel was dealing with. He was stubborn at times to uh, make some adjustments that I think really were obvious with the personnel that he had. And really setting the tone for everything that happened. The Lakers treated the preseason collectively with zero urgency, despite all these new, very complicated pieces to fit together. They totally crapped that time away. That, it, To our credit, you and I were both like, I think they're kind of wasting um, some opportunities here. I'm Maybe not saying we might... got to go balls to the wall here, but <laughs> no, how about, <laughs> balls, how about just balls identify, to something? <laughs> identify the balls and the walls and just yeah, make I mean, sure they're both here. I mean, um, so anything. Again, I'm not saying that all of those things going wrong last season and it being difficult to replicate, one would think at least, mm -hmm. all of that happening again means the Lakers are out of the woods. But my point is, I think a lot of the evaluation of this roster in this upcoming season is viewed very much through the prism of last season. And last season's, last season's roster and last season's circumstances and context are very different. Yeah, I which agree. again doesn't mean that this team is you know back to contending. No, but they're no, no, not no, the same save team that, as last year. Save that for a second because I. The, before we get in, and I think we each have a few things like a list that we've made, and we'll get through as much of it today. Andy, I wonder if people would, would even be willing to sit through a second show of optimism if we can't get through all of it. I think they would. Um, but I, I want to talk about what it what a turnaround means because the, it, it, I don't know if the answer is obvious or if my answer at least would be completely satisfactory to everyone listening to this show. So we'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Rocket Money. Are you sick of managing your finances with buggy spreadsheets or an inbox overflowing with bills? Or you're just afraid to check your bank statement? I just if keep it all up here. Yeah, well, <laughs> I doubt that that's really working. So it's time for you, Brian, to take back control of your financial life with Rocket Money, formerly Truebill, our favorite financial app. Now, open up your phone right now then count all the different bank and financial apps you have. That's confusing, switching back and forth to all that. I guarantee you're going to get something wrong. It's time to take back control of your financial life with Rocket Money. So why did Truebill change the name to Rocket Money? Well, Truebill, now backed by Rocket Companies, have grown from a bill management app to a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and much, much more, saving each of their members on average 700 bucks a year. That's a nice savings. Mm -hmm. and with all that growth comes the next evolution in Truebill's story, a new name. The bottom line is rocket money is everything that I loved about Truebill, but with a new, fresh look and feel. This was actually great. I started getting these emails, Brian. This is not a joke. From rocket about my finances i was like 
how do these people know this? And then I realized, oh no, this is actually Truebill, which I was using because it was a terrific service. So I, I, they really are just on it. Start canceling your unused subscriptions. Save money at rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA or download the app from the Apple Store or Google Play. I uh, want to mention too, Locked on Lakers, of course, brought to you by Dewar. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, Saturday, August 27th, 11 a.m., 170 South La Brea will be there doing a live episode of Locked on Lakers, a special mailbag episode. Going to read through a bunch of, of listener questions um, and viewer questions of the YouTube channel and all that. But I, I, it's worth mentioning, Andy, why people want to be in the store, why people would want to be using our code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off at shopdoer.com. Um, if you can get in there, it's a chance to really feel and touch and try on some of the most comfortable clothes you're going to find everywhere or anywhere. And more importantly than just being incredibly comfortable, they're also incredibly versatile. It's performance. It's simplicity. These are staple items that you can plug into whatever your lifestyle is. Um, if you need something that you can dress up, Doer's got that for you. If you need something you can wear casually to ride bikes with your friends, go out to the bar, whatever it is you're doing, chase your kids around, Doer's got that for you as well. And they may be the same thing. And that's what works so well. Uh, fabrics are soft. They're supple. They keep their shape, but they move with you throughout the day. They look just as good at the end as they do at the beginning. I've got some t-shirts. I've got a polo that I really like from them. I got a couple pairs of pants. So it's all really great stuff and you can see it and feel it and touch it. If you go into the store at 170 South La Brea in mid city, um, whether you can do that on the 27th when we're there at 11 AM or any other time you use the exclusive code 15% off. You go locked on 15, whether in store or at shopdoer.com. Uh, we hope to see you there, but if you can't make sure you are getting a chance to, to, to try this stuff out because it is genuinely great clothes that we think that you will love locked on 15 shopdoer.com. So Andy, what does turnaround mean to you? They got to be competitive again. I mean, they just have to be a legitimately competitive mm -hmm. quality team. I mean, that might sound like a low bar, but look, I, the truth. Keep going. I, I, I'm just, I'm glad you're going in this direction. I'm not, I'm not saying that they should be settling for just being competitive. I'm saying that's the baseline for turning things around. And if you meet that baseline, you've turned things around. It doesn't mean that you've achieved your ultimate goal. Those are two separate things. You can play really well and still not win a championship. Only one team gets to win, but they need to be moving much closer to where they were in 2020. A, because it means, again, they will be a legitimately competitive team. But B, it also justifies the direction they're going in in the first place. Because if they have another season where either LeBron and AD can't stay healthy and they don't win any games, or scarier, LeBron and AD do stay healthy and they don't win any games, then you really have to just wonder, okay, are they on a path right now with LeBron's new extension, trying to eventually pass the baton to Anthony Davis that simply does not look as good as it did five years ago when they began this thing? I, the, what you're talking about here, I think dovetails. You know, I, I kind of was like trying to distill this down and I wrote one word down and that word was hope. 
Like, I'm not saying the Lakers, I don't think there is a way that they can turn themselves into favorites to win in the West. You know, even you swing a Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Seth Curry deal somehow. We get all of those dudes and, you know, figure I'm still not positive they're the favorites in the Western Conference. They are much, much more competitive and they got a real chance at that point. But, you know, certainly the, the group now isn't even close. But what I, I think a turnaround means is that as a fan, you talk about that sort of investment in where they are now, where they could be going, that you can feel hope without ludicrous amounts of pretzel logic and, you know, and all that kind of like last year, it was like, well, you know, AD is going to be back and maybe it's like, you know, I guess technically these were the things that the Lakers need to do, but we all knew how this movie was going to end and it wasn't going to end well. And I think if the Lakers, I think if the Lakers can restore hope to where as a fan, you don't have to say like pretend that the Lakers are favorites, but you can, you can invest yourself in something that feels positive and feels like you've at least got a puncher's chance at seeing something that ends the way you want. But in the meantime, you know, night in, night out, you're going to see a pretty fun and interesting and enjoyable product because good God, last year, those games were miserable to watch. You know, and I say that as somebody who watched 82 of them. Yeah. I mean, another way of putting it beyond the hope would be pride. Where you that's a, as that's a, a great Laker, word, yes. Where you as a Laker fan, like obviously the Lakers, as an as a franchise ethos, they are about championships, and that's fine. But the reality is, you are not always in a position to win a championship, no matter how much you set that goal, you know, for, for yourselves each season. But in the meantime, though, like last year, I, I know Laker fans hate ever hearing themselves compared to the Clippers. The Clippers, yes, they've been to one Western Conference Finals. You know, the the rivalry, as it were, they've made no headway in terms of the actual city. But last season, Clipper fans could be damn proud of that team. Like, they just could. That was a team that got the absolute most out of itself, despite having a lot of injury issues themselves, despite Kawhi Leonard being unavailable the whole season, Paul George missing big chunks of it. You know, they get Norm Powell, and he gets... Um, are you implying that the Lakers fans didn't have a team that they could be proud of last year, Andy? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, no, that was... Hold on a second. But you know what I mean? Like, you want you want to be... I mean, forget, like, the idea of, you know, like, pride with a corny factor. You want to be proud of yourself. Like, it's not embarrassing that you... Like, on a personal level. Like, my God, I invested six or seven months of my life yeah. for that. Oh, there, there, have there have been Laker teams that have had seasons where they did not win a championship, but you could be as somebody that is invested in them emotionally and psychologically proud of what they did. Mm -hmm. And again, not embarrassed for yourself for having put yourself through it. I, I'm glad we spent some time kind of talking about because I actually do think it is sort of important to define the terms because like you said so much of Laker you know the, the the at least at the very least the sort of lazy interpretation of the Lakers is like championships are bust there's no reason to ever be it you know like that 
that, you know, to show any interest, and if it's a waste of our lives or whatever. But being there's more to enjoying your team and enjoying fandom than that, I hope, for most people. Let's get into the list. Let's start talking about some practical things, Andy, that we think could happen this year that legitimately will make the Lakers season significantly better and possibly even surprising for people in the Western Conference. We'll start in on our lists next. Okay, so you laid out, you know, I think something important in the first in the first segment that it's like part of the reason you can feel like a turnaround of reasonable proportions is possible here is because everything that could go wrong last year pretty much did. Um, it would be hard for things to go as wrong as they did last year. It's not impossible, but it would be hard. Yeah. So, so we each have a, a bunch of things that we think are possible, like realistically possible um, things that you you don't have to reach for stars to to think that could happen that will help this team be better. Um, I'm going to start with something very simple. The Lakers get Kendrick Nunn back. Mm-hmm. And this is a free agent addition for this season that I don't necessarily think is being factored in when people talk about the new additions to this team. Like people forget that Kendrick Nunn is on the team. I remember going back to the summer league, the Lakers are on TV. The depth chart is on ESPN. Very competent people working on that depth chart over there. They didn't remember to put Kendrick Nunn on it. Like it is easy to forget he is there. And if he can play, I'm going to need to see some proof of life here. But but assuming he can play, yeah. I mean, I don't want to like. I don't think that's unreasonable. Like so whatever the basketball equivalent of the guy holding up the newspaper with today's date on it, I need that for Kendrick Nunn. Um, but this is actually a pretty big deal because he's a good secondary scorer. He is a potential defensive improvement. It's all relative. I understand that. And if he's closer to the 38%, you know, three-point guy that he was in Miami in his second season, he provides some of the badly needed shooting that we've all talked about this team lacks. Because when you look at the people they brought in for this season, Andy, other than Thomas Bryant, none of them are particularly inspired three-point shooters. Yeah. But uh, I just think people are are underplaying a little bit the potential value. He's got to make a little bit of it to be really impactful. He's got to make a little bit of a progression from his second to his third year, which is hard after you've been injured. But having him on the team and playing um, is potentially worth a few wins, I think. Yeah, um, he was actually on my list. And and I actually had started doing some digging on Kendrick Nunn because it's been so long since we've actually seen him play. I was looking back at like, year-end evaluations from people who covered the heat for the 2021-22 or 2020-21 season. And uh, Hot Hot Hoops, one of the SB Nation um, blogs, talked about, you'd mentioned the three-point shooting. Um, He was actually much better on catch-and-shoot attempts than off the dribble. And specifically on catch-and-shoot threes, he shot 42%. And A, that's very good in and of itself. B, you playing with LeBron or, frankly, even Russell Westbrook, if Russ is on this team, those guys can find you for really good catch-and-shoot opportunities. Mm-hmm. And to your point, they need guys who can space the floor. 
And I think they're going to be looking to do it a lot that way. It's going to be, I think, obviously on the offense to run in ways that set him up and for uh, none to make sure that he's disciplined enough not to be taking the looks that he isn't as good at from behind the arc unless he's just improved off the dribble, you know, I guess during rehab time or whatever. But either way, the idea that he is actually good taking threes from a standstill position is very important Mm -hmm. on the team given the roster they have. Also, too, this was something else that they pointed out at Hot Hot Hoops. Um, Reading right now, per cleaning the glass, the Heat registered 138.1 points per 100 possession plays with none on the court, good enough for 92nd percentile. When he wasn't on the court, the number plummeted to 116.6 points, Hmm. putting them in the 17th percentile. That's a plus 21.5 differential. This is a team, Brian, that wants to be running all the time. That has been stressed a ton by Darvin Ham. They've built a roster that is theoretically very well suited to run, which means that if Kendrick Nunn is healthy, he should fit in very well with what they want to be doing. For that matter, Lonnie Walker, who I'm sure we'll cover either in this show or moving forward in terms of you know, potential They're, positives for the season if, moving only forward. Only if he's on your list. He, elements of Lonnie Walker okay. are on my list. Right. But Lonnie Walker is very good in transition. He, that That's one area where he does fit in extremely well with mm-hmm. what they want to do. Um, and, and so uh, kind of a corollary to this, because I, I, I'm excited. We actually have enough optimistic things on our respective lists that we're going to do a part two of our optimism. Uh, it's maybe who knows, Andy, this could even turn into optimism week. We're giving away another doer prize pack. We're getting ready for the big mailbag episode. Uh, a, a new day has dawned here uh, at Locked on Lakers. Uh, Alex Regla wrote a great column about. Uh, Austin Reeves and his three-point shooting, which is kind of the inspiration of this whole conversation we had. Like his percentages last year were not good. I think that we we sort of had the impression that that Reeves was a better three-point shooter from the beginning of the year to the end of the year than he actually was. But what Alex did and really broke down really well was that you can at least make the argument that the problem here isn't so much Reeves is that he fought the wall and the wall won, uh, you know, in, the, in terms of being the rookie wall. And fatigue played a significant role in a second-half downturn from three-point range. I'm not 100% sold because he, wasn't, because he wasn't a great three-point shooter in college either. But it's, it's not – there was – he did a really good job of explaining why yeah, that you know, it's it's possible. I'm not. I'm, he's not talking about Reeves becoming a 46 percent guy, for, but there's a big difference. I think it was around 33 percent, 32 percent, or something last year. 31.7. So 32. Right. I was close. Okay. Big difference between 37 and 32. 36 and 32. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it actually no, it's is massive. Um. So can he be 36? 36 doesn't mean. You have mega gravity and people start pretending you're Clay Thompson. But it's a big difference between 36 and 32. And I was sold enough by Alex's writing and breakdowns and all that to think that that sort of thing is possible. So if you're looking for realistic ways for more shooting to pop up, Kendrick Nunn and the sophomore doesn't hit the rookie wall version of Austin Reeves, who, by the way, I still think is going to start at 
the two this year. Yeah, and for that matter, Thomas Bryant looking more like the guy before the injury than correct after, because that that will also create more spacing that will allow Anthony Davis to play more at the four without you know without messing up the floor balance of the team. It will also allow if he's on the team, Russell Westbrook to be out there with these other guys without it turning into just really you know crowded floor. I mean, just really like something that's completely untenable. So I I don't think the, the moral of the story here is that the Lakers as currently constructed, I'm not so optimistic as to say I think they can be a good three-point shooting team, but there are at least reasons to hope they won't be catastrophic. And that makes a difference. Um, all right, I have a, like five other things on my list. I know you've got a bunch of other things on your list. Um Let's 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 keep going with this. So uh, next episode, part two, more optimism. Uh, reminder, August 27th, 11 a.m. at the Dewar Store, 170 South La Brea. Send us your questions. If they're good enough to be used on the show, not only might they be used on that show, you could uh, make yourself eligible to win a prize pack from Dewar uh, that you can receive if you actually make it so we can find you, unlike mm -hmm. Martin Hall, who is playing hard to get with his own prize, which is weird. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you go to see the product uh, and see us make it. And uh, we will see everybody next time.